0: Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by Local Line. Local Line is an e commerce platform that helps farmers and local food suppliers direct market their products online access new markets, and stay organized. Local Line has recently released a free prepare and respond resource guide for farmers navigating their business during the coronavirus. The direct market farmer's guide to COVID-19 is available now through the link in today's show notes. Stay tuned later in today's episode to learn more about Local Line and their products specifically designed to help farmers market their products online. On today's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast, you'll meet Rochelle Barrett. Rochelle is a rancher, photographer, and blogger from Harve, Montana, whose name might sound familiar to those of you who have been listening to the Rural Woman Podcast from the beginning. I am so excited to connect and share Rochelle's story with you. But before we get to today's episode, let's go over the review of the week. This week's review comes from Deborah, all the way from Ireland, This five-star rating and review says, amazing podcast for anyone interested in farming and agriculture. I only recently discovered this podcast just by chance and I love it. I binge listened to all of the episodes and I'm only sad I have to wait for a new one now. We recently moved to a house in the country and I'm looking forward to getting animals. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Sending you love from Ireland. Debra. Well, thank you so much, Debra. I love everybody's review, obviously, but the ones that come from way far away give me all of the feels. And I am so excited that you were able to find and connect with the ladies sharing their stories in Egg here on the Roll Woman Podcast. And you guys, this just shows when you leave ratings and reviews wherever you listen, this helps other people like Debra in Ireland find the show. So guys, if you have been loving the show, I highly encourage you guys to leave your kind words wherever you listen to the show, whether that's on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, you can leave them on Facebook at the Wild Rose Farmer page, or you can just leave a note on today's show notes too. That works. Anything really helps get the word of agriculture out into the world. So without further ado, my friends, let's get to today's episode with Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing so good. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Women Podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on your
0: podcast. I am equally excited to be talking to the infamous Rochelle Barrett. And for the (laughs) listeners who have been listening for a very long time, the name Rochelle Barrett should ring a bell for you. But for the listeners who are unfamiliar with who you are... Tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you're from.
1: Okay, so I am from Havre, Montana. So we are about forty miles south of the Canadian border, kind of in central, north central Montana. And I raise cattle with my husband, and I grew up on my family's ranch where we currently live and work with my parents. So that's kind of a little about me. Um, I do. I'm a writer and a blogger and I guess that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: And you said that you grew up on your family's ranch. So tell us how your start in egg all came about. You were born and raised there. What did you do on your family's ranch?
1: Yeah. So when I was a kid, when I was really young, my parents both worked on the ranch. And so my mom was home with us all the time. We, my brothers and I spent, when we were little, pretty much every day helping out whether we were helping feed during the winter, helped with calving, you know, all of it. We helped ride, we helped work cows. Uh, When we started school, we still came home in the evenings after we got off the bus and went out and helped do whatever chores there were to do. as I got older, I was in 4-H and started breaking my own horse, really got interested in breaking horses and working with horses more so than really caring about the cattle so much. So I just kind of have been immersed in it my entire life.
0: So were you in the equine sector of 4-H then or did you do the cattle sector?
1: I kind of did. I kind of did everything that allowed me to be with animals. I started out my very first year in 4-H. I took a lamb And when I had to sell him, I decided that I did not have a tough enough heart for that. (laughs) Got way too attached to my lamb. And so I decided that it might be better to do something like a dog. So I ended up taking a dog. I showed a cat. And yes, then I got, when I was old enough, I think you had to be, I think at the time you had to be 10 years old to have a horse and actually show it at the fair. So once I was, I guess, well, I I was old enough the first year. So the second year I ended up taking a horse and took a horse all the way through. I ended up taking five steers. And yeah, so kind of anything that I could do that allowed me to work with animals, I was all about it. The other stuff, you know, I took veterinary medicine projects and that sort of thing. But I just, I loved being able to work with the livestock.
0: You kind of did a little bit of everything. Yes. Yes. I like that. It's very cool. What do you think some of the biggest takeaways were that you took from 4-H?
1: I would say probably responsibility and kind of a definitely a work ethic. My parents were always there to support me. My brothers were not in 4-H and so I was kind of the only one and I didn't have, my brothers weren't going to feed my animals for me. They weren't going to go ride my horse. They weren't going to help me with my Sears so it definitely taught me that I had to get up in the morning, put in the effort and you know nobody was going to do that work for me. Another thing I would say is probably definitely leadership, just being able to carry yourself in such a way that people the younger people behind were looking up to us, the kids my age and that we were willing to help Anybody else that needed help, wh- whether it was working with livestock or cleaning ends or whatever it was, it was just it was just really taught me how to be better and take care of being a more responsible person. I guess
0: leadership and responsibility to children, I think, are probably the two most important things you can have as an adult human. So that was great things to take away from 4-H. Great. I always say to my husband that I wish as an adult now that I could go into for like as a leader, like I want to go into somebody learning like the children. <laughs> because like you said, the thing with the lamb, it's like having the heart to sell them at the end. It's like, oh my gosh, that's the hardest part it is for me too. So
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: So growing up on a ranch and being immersed in this lifestyle, was there ever a a time in your life that you thought, like, I do not want this to be my life going forward. I want to get a big girl job in the city, somewhere outside of agriculture.
1: You know, I think probably when I was really little, before I probably got into middle school, so probably through middle school and grade school, I really thought, you know, this is not what I want to do. We never got to go anywhere. We never got to leave the ranch. If we did go somewhere, it was a typical rancher vacation where you see everything from the highway. And if we were gone for three days, that was like a big deal. We missed out on a lot of things because of calving or the weather. And I just didn't know. At the time, I can remember thinking, gosh, this just really isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then the older I got, the more I ended up working retail jobs through high school and having to work off the place and having a part time whatever it was through school. I just I really missed being in the thick of, you know, being able to go ride every day or being able to just do whatever, be outside, do those things. And so I went to college and I got married, we just kind of it's always been our goal to just, you know, have our cattle and be able to get back working into the ranch full time.
0: I like what you said about how you never got to go and do anything and get to see everybody else take those vacations during the summer or even during calving season and that kind of stuff. I can relate to having, I guess, the opposite feelings now because I came from outside of egg where I got to go do all of those things and have all of the fun during this. And now all of my friends look at me like, during the winter when we get kind of our downtime and they're like you get to go everywhere and do everything i'm like i think you guys forget the other eight months of the year where we're actually stuck here i <laughs> don't get yeah. to do anything so yeah as much as you're kind of stuck here during those times you do have the flexibility and the other times to actually go out and do things so yeah i think that is definitely a bonus of this lifestyle that people on the outside don't get to see all of that often
1: great
0: the Rural Woman Podcast is supported by LocalLine. Who is LocalLine? They're an e-commerce platform for farms and local food suppliers so you can sell online and save time managing your business. They also have a completely free website builder that you can use without even having a Local Line account. Here are some great tips the experts from LocalLine shared for helping your online store generate sales. First, Have a catchy and consistent branding. Your brand should match your products and be easily identified as yours. Second, complete your about section so you can share your unique business story to current and future customers. What sets you apart from everyone else? Your customers want to know. Third, product descriptions are really important. Make sure they're descriptive and include keywords like organic, grass-fed, or gluten-free if it's applicable. And lastly, include pictures. 75% of shoppers rely on photos when deciding whether to purchase, and 63% say images are more important than product descriptions. These tips are more than just great suggestions. They actually work. River Bell Market Garden in Dresden, Ontario increased their sales by 42% the year they started using Localine. So stop using phone calls and a notebook to manage your fulfillment and get yourself set up with a website and an online store. Instead of their standard seven day free trial, Local Line is offering listeners of the Rural Woman podcast a 30 day free trial of their software and a free premium feature with your first year subscription. Visit go.localline.ca slash ruralwoman to get started. That's go ca slash rural woman and start taking control of your business. So you also have a job off of your ranch. So tell us more about that and what you do for a living.
1: Yeah. So outside of all the other things I do, I do work full time for Northwest Farm Credit Services. I'm what they call a financial specialist. So I process transactions, and I'm kind of a glorified teller slash loan assistant. I handle all the paperwork and the behind the scenes, and then I'm the first contact for our customers. So it definitely keeps me busy, and there's always learning something. It's industry banking that never stays the same. It's always changing. So... Every day is a new challenge, but I really enjoy it. And it's great to be able to work with agriculture customers and see those people and build those relationships. Excuse me, build those relationships every day.
0: Yeah. So are you mostly dealing with farmers and ranchers then?
1: Yes. Yep. Pretty much 100% business. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully that's always an enjoyable experience. Here from other people outside of the industry, they're like, I always love dealing with farmers and ranchers. They're so nice. So hopefully that's the same (laughs) for you. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about the writer, blogger, and advocate part of your story a little bit more. So for the listeners who heard your name, Rochelle Barrett, and they're like, I've heard that somewhere. I know that name before. Well. On episode 10 with Kylie Wongrowski, my dear lavender farmer friend, I read an article that was on the Tri-State Livestock News, and the title was A Woman's Heart, Ladies Who Tend Livestock Are Special The World Round. She is young, she is old, she's every age, she's a daughter, a mother, a sister, a wife, she's a horseman, a cattlewoman, a farmer, a veterinarian, she's a bookkeeper, housekeeper, and a keeper of the secrets and the stories. She makes traditions and she bucks traditions. She cooks, she cleans, she breaks horses and breaks the dirt. She wears high heels and cowboy boots and gym shoes. She wears slacks, dress suits, and blue jeans. She has a manicure. She has dirt under her nails. Her home smells like bread and stew and cow manure. She spends her day tending babies to her fields, to her livestock, to the paperwork, and to her family. She prepares meals, prepares speeches, and prepares the machinery for more work. She isn't afraid to get covered in dirt, in grease, or sweat, but loves being pretty and clean. She drives a tractor, a combine, a team, an old feed pickup truck, and an SUV. She's every woman who's growing up ranching and farming, who is running her own operation, and who works in town to keep the dream alive. Her boots might not set foot in the field or her butt in the saddle every day, but she's agriculture. Through and through. She's watched calves be born, lamb die, nurse colts and puppies and barn kitties back to life. She's planted crops, waited for them to sprout, and prayed for the rain. She's prayed for sunshine, good harvests, good prices, and good health. She's weathered the storms and rallied. She is you. She is me. She is every single woman who's believed that agriculture is one of society's greatest pursuits. She believes in providing food for others, in taking care of her livestock and her ground and is a steward of the land. To all of the women in agriculture, thank you for sharing your love of this lifestyle with the rest of the world. May you continue to work hard out in front or behind the scenes. You may go unseen, but not unnoticed. Your work ethic, your heart, and your ability to persevere is inspiring to so many. And it was such a beautiful it brought tears to my eyes every time I read it I got so many messages and comments after that episode saying I love what you read all of the things but when I saw who wrote it I saw this name Rochelle Barrett and it wasn't linked to anything and it wasn't anywhere so I was like hmm I need to find who this Rochelle Barrett is. And I tried my hardest at Googling. I even asked my good friend, Annabelle Morgan, who lives in Montana, do you know anybody named Rochelle Barrett? And she laughed at you. Caitlin, that's like asking you if you know Tom from Toronto. Like, no, I don't know. (laughs) So through the power of this podcast and through social media – my good friends, the Ranch Wives, were able to come from somebody saying, hey, I know who that is. They're from the Prairie Crocus blog. And here we are today, Rochelle Barrett, I found you.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad you did.
0: I am so glad I found you too, because we have been connected for quite some time now and have honestly written some beautiful pieces that have Made me weepy. They have made me happy. They've made me mad for you and with you. So tell us more about your blog, The Prairie
1: Crocus. Okay. So I started writing kind of when my kids were probably toddlers. My oldest was probably four, maybe five. And I had a really good friend at my job who had a blog and she's an awesome writer. And we just kind of were always talking about writing and these different things and she just was like you you have the funniest things that you post book you need to share those and I was like no nobody's gonna read them you know and so her constant prodding and some of my other friends prodding me I had a different page and at the time I think it was called like blue skies and so I was writing stories about my kids and writing stories about just kind of ranch life and putting up my pictures about cows and horses and everything kids. And just kind of a lot of it was really silly stuff and then hard mother stuff, you know, that we all kind of go through when our kids are that age. And then over time, it just kind of has grown into more of this, what changed into Crocus was more, I wanted it to be More encompassing, my life's just not just red cows and blue skies, you know. And so it kind of, the prairie crocus is my favorite for, and so I kind of think of, you know, like on my actual website, it says blam or (laughs) bloom where you're planted. And I just kind of feel like you kind of have to do what you can where you are with what you. So over time, it's changed from talking about the kids and how toddlers are difficult to things that I'm really passionate about, whether that's trying to advocate for the beef industry and, you know, trying to tell our story as young ranchers in agriculture, or maybe it's sharing some silly poem or something, just kind of whatever hits me that day. I rarely ever post. It's all like, What hits me at the moment. So it's really grown in the last year, and I never expected it to become something that so many people could relate to. But it makes me so happy when people send me messages and they're like, oh my gosh, I just love this. And, you know, I can relate to this, or I went through this when I was a kid and I've been off the pace for so long. But it just brings back memories, you know, especially brings back memories of the loved one that's gone. And it's just so awesome to think that my words can connect with so many people.
0: I think your words have connected with more people than you will ever know. Because I know for myself, I basically share everything that you write, because I'm like, yep, that's right. Yeah, Rochelle hit it. Nail on the head again. (laughs) Like, (laughs) You have written some beautiful pieces that I know have only connected with people in agriculture, but I think people outside of agriculture, too. And for them to kind of see these words so beautifully written, and kind of understand and relate or have empathy towards other people that are in agriculture, I think that's really helped connect people outside of agriculture
1: to agriculture itself. So I agree. Yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to say people outside of agriculture can't understand our lifestyle, except that's really not fair. And so I try to approach it from, you know, if if I wasn't in agriculture, what would I be writing about that I would be passionate about? I think we all have things that my life doesn't just revolve around cows. There's a lot of other things that I'm passionate about. So I I never try to say, it's just about what I do and and how we do it is the only right way because, you know, it's never looking. So it's just... I don't know, like the poem I wrote that you read on the podcast. When I heard you read it, I was in tears. I was driving home. I had downloaded the podcast on my phone and was driving from town by myself one day, and I was in tears by the time I got home. But it was just—it's so awesome to hear to make a positive impact because that's not super easy to media, and so I—I I try really hard to be a more positive, shed a positive light, even though sometimes things are really hard. It's important to me to never make it be mean or hurtful. You, you catch more flies with honey, I guess. And so it's taken a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes to kind of remember that before I post something. But
0: Absolutely. And I think we've all been in a Maybe we write something or even just like a caption under a photo for Instagram or anything. And then you look at it afterwards, you're like, mm, do I really want to write that? Or am I going to ruffle some feathers here? And I think if you ruffle the feathers for good cause, maybe that's okay. But if you're just doing it to be mean and hurtful, then it's like, mm, maybe you shouldn't put that out in the world.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: So you said that you and your friend were chatting about blogging and she was blogging as well. When did you start writing? Did you like always like kind of have a journal as a kid or did you do it while you were in school? Like where did this passion come
1: from? I used to really like to write in school. But it never resonated with my teachers. <laughs> and I felt like my English teachers were and I were never on the same page. And so I had a teacher that every paper in her English class, she just gave me a C, whether it was really good or really bad. And so I kind of got to where it was like, well, I'm really not, you know, like I'm not a very good writer. I shouldn't even be doing this. If I can't write a paper for English, why, you know, I can't write poetry or like that. So I kind of didn't really ever keep a journal. My uncle, actually, when I was younger, had. Got really into cowboy poetry and he wrote a book. And I just always thought it was so cool that he could, he's a way better storyteller than I'll ever be. But I just thought, you know, it was so cool that he could do that and share that passion with everybody else. So I, I would have to say that it's really just been in the last four or five years that I've really made it a point to actually write and share those words with others. It would kind of write for a while, and then, just, you know, like I had no passion for it, and then kind of got to where it became. If I did it every day, it got a little bit easier and a little bit easier. So probably the last three years, definitely, it's kind of a pet project. Rochelle, where do you think
0: your biggest inspiration comes from? Your beautiful words that you write.
1: You know, <laughs> I, I really don't know. <laughs> what Sometimes like I'll hear a song or something that triggers a memory and I think about how could I put that into words and make it into a story or it'll be, I'll see a picture somewhere, be talking to my parents and it'll trigger a memory. A lot of times it's a memory and I kind of, I take that and change it into more of a story that I feel like if somebody else was reading the story, could they relate with that? Sometimes it's just things that we're going through at home, you know. We go out and feed the cows, or working with the kids on with their horse or moving cows or something, and it just kind of. Some days it's just something I'll think about on the way to work, and but I don't really have a good answer for that because sometimes I'm just like it comes out of nowhere. Days that I'm just like, yeah, I have, I got nothing, so. Um, <laughs> I've tried keeping like an inspiration journal, and I'll write something down and come back to it two days later, and I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Or I have no idea what that means. So it's kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. If I think of it, I have to write it down or it's...
0: Well, I think that is a pretty amazing talent to have for these words to just come (laughs) out of you. So I'm happy you have this talent because they've obviously helped me a lot. So... (laughs) Have you been loving the Rural Woman podcast? Are you wondering how you can support the show? Well, friend, I'm happy to announce that I've recently joined Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, it's a membership-based platform that provides a simple way for you to contribute to the Rural Woman podcast every month and get exclusive rewards in return. Memberships start as low as $2 a month. Seriously, that's less than your grande, skinny, extra hot caramel macchiato with whip. Wondering what the rewards are? Well, they include promo codes for Shop Wild Rose Farmer, draws for The Rural Woman Podcast merchandise, shout-outs on the show, and more. Your financial support of The Rural Woman Podcast will help make it possible for the stories of women in agriculture to continue to be shared. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to find out more information about how you can become a patron through Patreon. you mentioned that your uncle had written a book. And this is my question for you. Have you ever been publishing a book yourself? Because I think you should. And I think the listeners think you should too. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs>
1: oh, that's so kind. I've thought about it. I've never, I guess, thought, I kind of thought, you know, like, what do I have to write about to make a book? Think about, you know, you have to have all these pieces to make a book, but I have thought about more of a uh, thing that incorporates women in agriculture in our local area. That kind of is storytelling with photos and being able to kind of put together the two photographs and the story together. So I don't know. It's something that maybe when I have not so many errands in the fire that I would pursue. I've also kind of been writing these little snippets of like a love story. And I think, well, that's such a saturated market. But if so-and-so can write that, can write a love story, why can't I? So maybe someday down the road, there will be a love story in the works too. I don't know, but.
0: I love what you just said. If so-and-so has done it, why can't I? That is the whole reason that, the Rural Woman Podcast is here because I definitely had those feelings too before of like, there are so many books or there's so many podcasts, there's so many X, Y, and Z, why should I be here? But I am happy to have pushed through those feelings and to be sitting here talking to you today. And I am your number one support of you publishing your work in a book form, and I will be okay. your first customer. So <laughs> keep that awesome. in mind. Okay. <laughs> So Rochelle, what are some of the struggles that you see and maybe even yourself deal with when it comes to the cattle industry?
1: I think our biggest is besides, you know, the obvious like market prices and just the fact that everything is it's so expensive, all your inputs are so expensive and the out what you're getting back doesn't seem like it's ever enough or it's you know, you question is it really worth it? But at least for us in our situation and kind of after talking to a lot of other people my age and kind of in the same, we are. I think that the biggest challenge facing maybe not even just cattle industry, but people in a younger people is succession planning, kind of looking into the future and what what this is all going to look like in 20, 30 years. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing because not only are you having to come to terms with the fact that older generations before us, in our case, my parents aren't going to be here forever. And it's really emotional to have those discussions. And it's hard when you have a spouse that is not, he didn't grow up in agriculture. It's just really difficult to try to think about what are our goals. This place. What are we going to be doing in 30 years? And how are we going to pass that? Are we going to be able to our kids? Is it sustainable enough to be able to continue doing this for another another generation or two generations? It's so expensive to get into agriculture, and so we're really lucky. We've had my parents have given us the opportunity to run our cattle with them and be able to pick up leases and and move forward. But I think about friends of ours and other our age that, you know, they don't haven't had those opportunities and, you know, how they're wanting to get into it. And it's just a really difficult thing. So I guess maybe it's not necessarily just succession planning, but what is going to look like down the road? Um, Are we going to to continue doing this? And is it going to be something we can afford to do years down the road so that our kids might have the opportunity if they want to come back and raise cattle and and crops and keep doing this.
0: Well, that answer leads me perfectly into my next question. What are your hopes that you have for your as the next generation of cattle ranchers, if they so choose to do that?
1: I just hope that they do it if they want. If they come back, it's because they want to. And that they really care about the legacy that started clear back with my great grandparents. It's really important to me that we carry on that those traditions. And you know things are changing all the time, but I think ultimately that at the heart of things, I want them to come back because they love it. If they don't, that's okay. At that time, I I feel like you know if my husband and I just we want to retire and do something else and the kids don't want to come back to it, we'll deal with that when the time comes. I guess the biggest thing is that they just, they go out into the world and and do up And then if their heart pulls them back, I want it to be because they loved it and they want to be there. Not because their dad and I ever built them into that because I don't, I would never want that to be the situation.
0: See, that is some good hopes for your, future ranchers in your family. So Rochelle, my last question for you is, what is the most rewarding part about being a rancher?
1: I'd have to say definitely being able to raise our kids in this life, to be able to understand the value of hard work and perseverance, and especially the value of life. You know, they've, they've grew a lot of things That kids their age don't understand, you know, the death of livestock or these different things that they've gone through. And they've been able to handle the situations like their grandfather, their great grandfather probably with, I think they understood that a little bit more and they were, have some, I don't know, just much more mature about things. And, you know, it's just been super rewarding being them go from being deathly afraid of the horses to fighting over their dad's horse because they both want to ride him at the same time. And then I think just the other thing that has been really rewarding is for us, raising cattle is just watching all the, the blood, sweat, and tears that we put into those animals all year round, finally walk across the scale October, November, and then exceeding our expectations being able to put to know that our breeding program what we're doing with our you know feed and our keeping back of certain animals and that sort of thing is working for us that's really rewarding it's changed so much from when I was a kid our livestock is so different even though we're a commercial herd we take a great we take a lot of pride in killing and that's been really rewarding when people, you know, the buyers are really happy with them and they want to come back and buy them again the following year or, you know, just just knowing that we've we can take pride in a job well done.
0: Absolutely. And I think that you take that pride and you share that through your beautiful words on your blog with everyone else and i just thank you for being here today on the podcast and continuing all of the hard to do behind the scenes and in front of the scenes with your blog and all of the good things that you're doing Rochelle it's honestly a pleasure to be sitting here and chatting with you today
1: thank you this is this is really cool i, I never been here have imagined that i would <laughs> be sharing our story with everyone anyone in the whole world that wanted to read it and definitely never imagined being on a podcast. So this is really awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I hope this is a first of me for you and I will make sure to put all of the links in the show notes so people can find you and do not have to Google search their butt off before <laughs> asking you to be on their podcast. So <laughs> right?
1: No more the, incognito. <laughs>
0: no. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online?
1: So I'm on Instagram at the Prairie Crocus. Facebook, it's the Prairie Crocus blog and photography. It's kind of wordy, but... And then I also have a website. It's the Prairie Crocus... Excuse me, the Prairie crocus.wordpress.com The website is not something that I really keep up on. So Instagram and Facebook are probably the best places to see any like daily content. So. Perfect.
0: And I will be sure to put those links in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you with ease. (laughs) Good. Rochelle, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yes, it's been great talking to you too, Caitlin. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Wild Rose Farmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.